0: Hello there. Yes, it's me, Obi-Kir Kenobi, and I wanted to let you know that on Sunday, October the 8th, we're popping up at Only Coffee Project in Crow's Nest, Sydney. We're going to have plenty of good coffees for you to come and try, so please meet us at Only Coffee Project at Crow's Nest in Sydney on Sunday, the 8th of October. Stay cool. Back for Duran 2. You ready? I'm ready. Let's go.
1: I don't need you to tell me how fucking good my coffee is, okay? I'm the one who buys it. Would you like to come upstairs for some coffee? Oh, no, no, thank I can't drink coffee later, mate. It keeps me up. Shows are letting it the cappuccino!
0: There we are. The intro's done. Back for the, fir- the first person to be on the Sub-Zero Coffee podcast twice. Here we are, Jack Simpson. That's you. What a privilege. Yeah, well, I, for me. Um, <laughs> welcome back. Thank you very much. A bit's happened since you last
1: came on. Yeah, it feels like a long time ago, but it hasn't even been twelve months. I don't think.
0: No, it hasn't. So that was in September last year that uh, Anthony won the World Brewster Championship. Yeah. Wow. And then uh, what month was it? Was it May or June that you won? Good that question. You, that June. You went. So yeah, you went to Greece in June. Correct. How's Greece? It's
1: good. Great mm. weather. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good time.
0: Okay. Um, I'm a vegetarian nowadays. Would I struggle in Greece as a
1: vegetarian? Oh. Um Seems like a very meat-heavy <laughs> so. place. I mean, I ate a lot of meat, mm. uh, a lot of gyros. Yep. Um, I, mean, yeah,
0: I, could have, I could have, have tzatziki-flavoured uh, falafel if they do that there. Maybe a lot of bread.
1: Yeah, maybe. okay. Hey, I,
0: I, I love bread. Oh, well, there you go. You, you love it. Yeah. Um, yeah, what, what else is news, Jack? I mean, so you've, you've come... I'm not going to introduce you because I've already done that. There's another podcast with Anthony and Jack and Matt Crowley. You can go back and listen to if you want to all about Jack's introduction to coffee. Long story short, you were a builder. Love that. And then, you know, got into coffee. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, so obviously we've touched on since we last spoke. So Anthony won the world, Anthony Douglas won the World Bristol Championship and you're his coach. Mm-hmm. Then fast forward to this year, you won the Australian Bristol Championship. And then you've gone on to become third
1: in the world. What's that like? Um, it's pretty surreal, actually. Mm. Um, you know, I've been around competitions for a long time now. Uh, and, yeah, I guess a pinnacle for me was to make the World Barista Championship and being part of the team with Anthony last year. Um, yeah, it was quite surreal that he, he made it, like obviously a very deserving competitor. Uh, and then being part of that journey was, um, yeah, was something that I've always... Wanted to do, but, you know, I was living it through Anthony, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this year I decided to, you know, give it another go. Um, and then, yeah, finally made it. And it was, um, yeah, still, it, it honestly, hasn't sunk in just yet. Okay. Because you're a very humble guy. And I think,
0: I hope you don't mind me saying this, but when you, when you got home, you weren't 100% satisfied, which suggests to me that you're a very competitive person. So... Have you reconciled with that a bit more? Like, are you are you much more happy with how it worked out than you were when you
1: first came home? Yeah, I mean, I'm still going through the process. I think um, definitely appreciating it. Mm. Um, it's funny because, like, you know, I'm in the training room for for I guess 40 hours a week, um, and then you when were, I'm working, you're a very hard worker. Yeah, and that's when I'm working as well on top of my 40 hour week. Um, and then I was very lucky to get you know a lot of time from Axel. To train so it was probably close to eighty hours a week after nationals. Mm. Um so you're just in that room the whole time and yeah I feel like I, you know, I had to have the mindset of of trying to win. Mm-hmm. Um and having that mindset of winning it's sort of like there's no other option, I guess. So mm. um yeah, w- when you're on stage you're just hoping that you're gonna you're gonna win but you know, having that time and you know a few months after um, yeah, I, I'm, it's it's settling in, and I'm super grateful. Where I what
0: it I seems think. like you've got a bit of a groove at Axel as well. So there's like obviously the core of yourself, Crowley, Matt Crowley, yes. Anthony de Douglas, um, and and your boss Dave, yes, uh, Dave Macon, and you all understand the competition well. He's come second in the world himself. He has. So yeah. you've now got three national champions, three top three world champions, yes, in the Bruce Bruce competition, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um which obviously fantastic. Then even like the marketing team, I think, like, you know, oh, John who ends up, up your marketing yeah. team and, and uh, Sophie as well, it's like they understand the competition a bit better now that they've done too. And these are people that might not just share it. I think John's got a background in coffee, but does, th- th- yeah. th- you know to have the marketing team sort of understand that as well and make material for you, it's like to have
1: more people in the building understand it. It's good for you, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, mm. like, I mean, I couldn't have done it without those guys, 100%. Mm. And I think we learned well last year um, how much, you know, a team uh, is needed to, you know, achieve these results. Mm. Um, and, yeah, super grateful that they're all wanting to help and they love being a part of it as well. So mm. uh, I'm in a very grateful position, you know.
0: All right, I'm going to unpack your competition a bit more in a moment. But the top six, um, I thought it was a really interesting, like I watched all of them in preparation for the last podcast that I did with Pete and Gab. Um I saw Borums and I was like, man, I'd love to try that coffee. I think Anthony tried it the other day and said it was really good. Yeah. You tried it and it's like, coffee from Figure Jansen. Um, I was really happy to see Daniel from Italy come mm-hmm. second. Yourself third, Isaiah. I don't know if he listened to the podcast that with Pete, but the one with Isaiah Shees, I'm a massive fan.
1: He's a legend. Yeah, he's so nice.
0: And just like the the he set the standard for table presentation. Yeah. Like if if you're a if you're interested in this sort of thing or you're just someone uh random you know if you're not a coffee enthusiast and for whatever reason you're tuning into this podcast go watch isaiah sheese 2023 world Brewster championship best thing ever um mm. then dawn and patrick Rolf harris yes. also amazing competitors yeah. uh is there anyone that you thought that wasn't in the top six that probably could have been or should have been or you were th- thought was going to be I'm gonna start sure. and yeah, cheat go for it, Ben. Ben put yeah, it took the word like of the
1: tongue there. I thought he's like he's probably the most seasoned competitor almost ever. Yeah, and I think when I first started watching competitions, he was part of it, right? And he was one of the people that inspired me to compete. Um, so to actually be part of the same competition as him was was crazy. Uh, so you know, obviously he's a he's a massive coffee legend, and um, you know. I think even just being part of the WBC is a huge achievement, right? Mm. So, as you know, we all want to win, but um, I don't think that's necessarily what is what everyone needs, right, for their career. Like Ben put is an absolute legend. Everyone knows about him and has never won the WBC. From Monogram coffee. They, they've roast amazing coffee too. Exactly. So um, I, I think Ben achieved more than what anyone could have hoped for in um, barista competitions. And I, I know he said it was probably his last um, time he's going to go around, but... <sighs> Hopefully it's not. But
0: I mean, in, in one hand, I think yeah, pass the mantle on. But also, it's like you know, you could win next year, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. every
1: year he competes, he can almost win, right?
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but you know, he's a dad. I think to two children. So, yeah. fair enough to him Great if sense. he doesn't. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's let's go through let's go through your routine. So I think you know, I re I rewatched it this afternoon again. Innovation, refinement, and adaptation were the, were the three biggest, I guess, components. Well, they were the three components from in, in each course you digested. Um, can I start with like, there's three courses in a competition, right?
1: Yeah. Do you, do you try and have a theme for each one? Yeah, I try and have an overarching theme for the whole concept. Mm. Um, you know, originally, I, I mean, I have done other competitions where I've sort of separated it a little mm. bit but I just feel like it loses a bit of like harmony throughout your routine. So I, I like to have that common thread throughout. Um, obviously I talk about different things in different courses, which is, um, you know, um, you have to, mm-hmm. um, but I like to have that underlying theme throughout the whole concept. Cause okay. otherwise, you know, I, I, the judges only hear it once. Mm-hmm. So they need to understand what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the, the the guys that watch me in the in the training room, they've seen it a million times. They could probably understand a routine if I'm talking about different th- things throughout um, each course. But for the judges, it's just once. Mm. So they need to be able to unpack it straight away and go back when they deliberate backstage and say, this is exactly what Jack was talking about or Kirk was talking about. Um, so that's why I like to sort of keep it mm. all the same.
0: Because if there was a synergy I was to draw, I were to draw between you and Anthony, I remember with his, he kind of like he took this appro- approach with approach with this signature drink where it's like, you've got to, um, you know, he had this like sort of factor in for like factoid, I guess you'd say for each component of the drink, which kind of set it up really nicely. Mm. And I remember watching a James Hoffman video on YouTube once. And he was like priming the judges to understand and just give you more points and all that sort of stuff. And
1: kind of, you
0: know, it Just draws me there.
1: Yeah, exactly. I yeah, I think as as much information as you can give the judges without overwhelming them is is mm. the goal. Right. Do you think Brewster competitions are a bit wanky? <laughs> um I mean to an extent, right? Mm, yeah.
0: Um but sometimes I look at it as like, look, this is my field, I love it. But if someone were to look out
1: from the from the real world per se, they think what the hell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I guess it's those small details, right, that mm. sort of separate competitors and you've got to look for an edge. And mm. um, I mean, we're part of it, so we all love it.
0: We do. We do. And this is probably a bit more of a niche podcast, like in general. Anyone who listens yeah, to course. the Sub-Zero Coffee podcast is a bit niche. But, hey, if you're into it, you're into it. And I would love – that's one thing I would love about Brewster competitions If whatever changes we do make, I want them to be changes that bring more people into it. Like make it a sport. Yeah. You know, like the... Um, it's not much of a spectator sport at the moment, no, right? Because you can no. actually taste um, the coffee, but... Yeah, and like just whatever whatever direction we go in in the future, it should be something that brings the masses in. Because, you know, you look at wine, this big established multi-billion dollar industry across the world. You know, coffee is too. It's a
1: commodity. Mm. But, um, but yeah, just anything that brings more in. Well, that's what the competition is about, really, uh, is bringing the specialty coffee community in and actually growing it. Mm. So anything we can do to do that um, mm. is, you know, gets my tick. Like I'm happy with that.
0: You know, uh, one person, a few people I really want to see in it, Adam Zamper, the cricketer from Australia, who's been on that this podcast, awesome. he, get him and Zach Stubletti, the yes. Olympic gold medal swimmer, get them into into com- competitions. And Jimmy Butler from the US, the basketballer. Yeah. Just get them competing, you know. It'd be so good for the industry if they just do it. So Maybe one day we'll, we'll see. We'll campaign for it. Yeah. We'll <laughs> campaign for it. Um, all right, back to you, innovation. You used two things uh, that were part of the innovation, I guess, segment, and that was the auto comb by yes. Bruce Yeah. and the vibrator. Yes. Your vibrator. <laughs> <laughs> um, did have a nickname for it,
1: but I won't release that on the podcast. Okay, right.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll keep it PG here. Um, how much did they help in what you were doing, both oh. from like making the coffee better, but also I kind of feel like it would have made the technical – because there's a technical conspon- component of the score sheet. Definitely. Like you would have got most of the scores for distribution but then
1: making less mess as well, is that? Exactly. Um, so whenever I compete, number one priority is to make the, t- the coffee taste good. Mm. So whatever I do has to positively impact the espresso. Um, and it's always it's always in, in my mind. And, um, you know, you want to make your routine as... Um, I guess, like, showy as you can or um, entertaining, but the overall goal, goal is to make sure the espresso tastes amazing. Um, so the autocom, um, and, you know, huge shout-out to Matt Perger for designing that. And, and He's a happy man. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: he's, uh, you know, the, uh, I think the the winner, Borum, used one as well he this did. year, and he's, he, uh, he's he's going to be selling a
1: lot. He's, yeah. a, he's a happy guy. But, I mean, yeah, a lot of people used it, and it was for a reason, and it did make the espresso taste better. Mm. Um and I've never used something that has made espresso taste that good. Mm, I've and got one here. I'm very lucky to be one of the few people oh. in the world that has a you know one of the new additions. Yeah. So, I mean, like I I looked through as many distribution tools as I could uh, and I chose that because it, it just made uh, the coffee so even and like it was chalk and cheese when you put it side by side. Mm. Um, so, number one, that was, you know, Matt's innovation um, or almost a refinement of the traditional waste technique. Um, which, you know, I'm proud to be showcasing on the competition stage. Mm. Um, And then the second part of my distribution was the vibrating table. And I'm not going to say that I'm innovated that because I have seen a few people do that before. Mm. Um, But I was using a a vibrating pad that was actually, um, it's designed for uh, dentist molds. So when when they make um, like uh, dentures or mouth guards or stuff like that, they want to get the bubbles out of it um so they they vibrate it slowly so that's basically what it was mm. um and you know i was playing around with it and i found that it made a positive impact mm. um to my espresso um the funny thing was it was only after i used the autocomb that this made an improvement so the bed of coffee had to be completely flat before i, I applied any vibration mm-hmm. um otherwise it was just making um you know if it was mounted up into the corner or you had like more density in one side of the puck to the other it would it would just you know um make it more obvious but it needed to be perfectly flat before i put it on the vibrator all
0: right so distribution for those who are tuning in who may not have listened before you might be a friend of jack's you know that's once the coffee's in the basket we're evenly distributing it so when you compress it the water flows mm. through it at an even rate across the whole surface area fair to say yeah spot okay. on okay um then you went on to producer's innovation, mm-hmm. and you used a coffee from El Deviso again, so doubled up on the El Deviso. Yep, um, and a variety called Ombligon, mm-hmm. which to me sounds like a Lord of the Rings character.
1: Sounds pretty cool, right?
0: It's like remember when the writers of Rohan were there at you know at uh, at Gondor, and they were you know ready to, to slay. Like it, it kind of sounds like the king of Rohan would be Ombligon.
1: I know my mind works in weird ways. Oh, well, it's so. funny because I actually watched Lord of the Rings uh, earlier this week. Okay. So, which one? Uh, I'm, I think that one that you're talking about. I'm no, <laughs> number three. <laughs> number three. I'm Return not good King. with movies, but. Um. Was it a great
0: big battle? And yeah, then, it was a big battle. Yeah, yeah And yeah, then exactly. uh, Gandalf's there is like, whatever comes through that door, yes. you know, you, yes. you've got it. And that's then, the like a giant <laughs> ogre that they don't got came through. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, Ombligon. Sorry. I <laughs> lost track. Ombligon um, anaerobic fermentation?
1: Yes. Yeah. The some of these coffees go through a long um, process and a lot of different elements to it. So anaerobically fermented is is one one part of it. Um. So yeah, it's it's funny with like some producers, like they obviously doing very new and innovative things. Like Nestor has been. Um. So they're not will really, like some. Uh, willing to share the whole process Mm -hmm. uh, but we understand like a small part and the essence of what they're doing Mm. do you think
0: that so the way i think of innovation with regards to like coffee processing i I split it into two sort of categories and there's probably more but all i can handle is two um innovation by necessity so it's Mm -hmm. like you know you've got to deal with a situation so one of the um when i went to bolivia you know one of the things i thought they achieved really well was because the rainfall is so sporadic, mm. they needed to figure out ways to dry the coffee a bit better. So they had the cocoa dryers. That's why you see cocoa natural Bolivian so often, because mm-hmm. it's dried mechanically and w- on what is called a cocoa dryer. And they do that because obviously they can't dry it in the sun as easily because there's so much rainfall. Um, so they do that. So innovation by necessity. But mm. then it's innovation to achieve new flavors. Yes. So it's like you know getting a, a carbonic maceration coffee to get a bit more um, body or whatever. Mm. But sometimes do I, f- I feel like they go, it's gone a bit too far. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like the, there's so many new coffee processes that come out or they just get a different name sort of thing all the time. And, you know, like we need to try it. Mm-hmm. It needs to be tried. But, you know, I kind of, I kind of reckon when, I, when, when anaerobic for processing first came out, it was like, oh, yeah, this is something you really need to try. Now a lot more people do it or a lot more producers do it. It's kind of just one of the three now, you know, yeah. um, three or four sort of conventional processes there. Do you think that sort of it's been a, it's had a good impact or there's some negative impacts of it?
1: Yeah. Um, I can't see any negative impacts as such. Mm. Um, like the positives are that like, you know, we're getting all these new flavors and experiences that we've never had before. Right. Because mm. um, I remember when I sat it, it was almost, you know, washed and natural. And that was all you had. And uh, and honey and honey yes of course um, but you know now we're seeing all these these coffees and we're getting all these new experiences again that we would have had when we first started right mm. um, I guess one small negative is maybe we're not tasting the coffee um, as much as we would if the process wasn't dominating the coffee I suppose mm. um, but I think there's there's so many positives for farmers right they can they can use coffees that might not have scored as, as high, and they're using processing to get that, that score a bit higher and actually making more money. Mm. Um, so I think there's huge positives to, what, uh, to it as well. Um, and we're seeing a lot of different coffees on the market as well. Um, so I, I'm all for it.
0: Besides the El that yourself and Anthony have used, mm. what do you reckon the best example of an anaerobic ferment or just experimental ferment you've had is? Uh. Name a coffee. Who roasted it? Where was it? (laughs) Uh,
1: There's there's a lot. Um, I'm just trying to think. I'm I'm in a very blessed position where I get to try so many different coffees um, so often, and being part of a competition, you know, I'm trying hundreds. Mm. Um, So I've tried a lot, Uh, but I guess Wilton Benitez, Mm. um, he's a farmer out of Colombia, and he's uh, he's doing some pretty crazy things with fermentation um and coffees that i've never like uh, with profiles i've never tried before um and i'm seeing a lot of his coffees on the market in melbourne recently um Mm -hmm. so if you yeah if you you do see one of the of his coffees try it because it's uh they're pretty wild
0: Mm. no i would 100% agree um cafe graha 92 or something graha parrazo 92 Yep, i think that's what it's called but Mm -hmm. that's his farm yeah he does he does do a great job uh speaking of graha cafe graha also does a great job they do um, it's just straight a lot kev- of good producers.
1: Pardon? A lot of good producers. Yeah, we're
0: spoiled for choice. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's getting – I'm going to do a whole podcast on this soon, but I feel like it's getting really hard to get good green right now as well. Um, like, it's getting so expensive.
1: Yeah. Um, again, I'm in that position where I'm trying the best of the best, so I can't mm. complain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true,
0: true, true. Uh, yeah. Well, let's move on to refinement then. Mm-hmm. So in, in refinement, you were kind of talking about – you know. Making better something you already had, which was yes. the, uh, you know, I think freeze distilled milk Yep, was all the rage for a few years there. Then yourself and Anthony tried cry desiccating milk. Yep. And then what you did this year
1: was vacuum. Vacuum distillation.
0: Vacuum distillation. What's
1: that? Yeah. So <laughs> I, like, I think you put it perfectly. It's a refinement, I guess. Um, so uh, I guess for a number of years, the milk course was just full cream milk and, and coffee. Um, and then Ben put came along and um, and changed that, mm. um, and we're getting free distilled milk, mm. um, and that was a bit of a game changer. And we're seeing a lot of competitors use that. Was that in Seoul, twenty seventeen in Seoul? I don't know when the when he first introduced it, mm. um, but it was probably around that time, I think. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I guess me and Anthony were were playing around with a few things, and we came out with cryodesication, mm. um, which is for anyone that doesn't know, um, it's basically milk powder reintroduced to full cream milk. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's done under vacuum pressure with low temperatures. So under vacuum pressure, you can apply a low heat um, to a liquid to evaporate it um, rather than applying high heats. So it's around 20 degrees. So it's a very gentle process. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did that. And obviously, we had good success. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I was trying to eliminate with the occasion is uh applying too much heat and time and um so with anthony's process the cryodesication, the milk's in the freeze dryer for around three days so it's a long time so uh it's exposed oxygen and 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 light and heat so i wanted to eliminate as much as i could um so I, i basically stopped the process in half so rather than waiting until you know we got all the the water out of the milk I I just got half the water out, um, which is a little bit messy, but once you get the trays out um, and defrost the milk, it's a milk concentrate. Um, So it's very similar to cryodesiccation, but it's had less oxygen, less light shock, um, and less heat applied to it. So I found more positive results. Very similar, but um, yeah, you know, with competition, it's all about those 1%. So I I felt that did increase the the quality of the milk.
0: Mm. So you concentrated it in into a sorry obviously became more concentrated Mm -hmm. um what was the impact of it on the drink like did you try your your milk coffee with just regular milk as opposed to um you know the cryo desiccation and what was the what was the what was the impact side by side sort of thing
1: yeah just more sweetness more creaminess Mm. um and the flavor still carries through so the milk that i used was riverina blue Mm. um which is a yeah, a, a milk that we see around Melbourne a lot, mm. um, and like my employer, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> shout out to Riverina. Um, but yeah, the, the coffee cuts through that that milk quite well. Um, but I found with like free distillation, sometimes it would overwhelm, or maybe not free distillation, but milks with higher fat content um, would, you know, sort of take the flavour of the coffee away. Mm. Um, but with this method. like it kept it there but gave all the good elements back into the drink so the sweetness the the fats the proteins like it was all like yeah delicious
0: Mm. i guess i guess the important to thats that is that you're using a good quality milk as well because then you're distilling something good quality and making it more intense yes um i guess the strength of that of of our milk is that you kind of yeah it lets the coffee sing Mm -hmm. as opposed to like a uh, um like some of the uh higher fat milks or jersey milks and stuff like that
1: that they're very good, but they're sickly sweet. Yeah. And
0: so, like, they kind of dominate the coffee flavour.
1: Yeah. For, and from my understanding, I you'll probably know more about this than I would, but uh, with milks with higher fat content on the market, uh, I think dairy farmers can only control a certain amount of minerals and, and contents that are going into the milk, uh, I think. Uh, but whereas, you know, for occasion, we're getting 100% of the milk solids mm. introducing or introduced back into the the milk.
0: Yeah, I don't know too much about the processing, but the feed makes a massive difference as well. Like what the, like how like we've had a few really good years in Australia of good rainfall. Yeah, uh, we're a very drought-prone country, so you know the consistent grass feeding is like has a very positive impact on the on the cow's digestive system and um, allows them produce to produce high quality sweet milk. So that yeah, um, matters right greatly. But your milk coffee was um unbelievable. Yeah, thank you. You know it was. Like, truly, like, malted chocolate milk, Milo, we call it here, yeah. and, uh, and boysenberry, I think it said it was.
1: Yeah. I should do a quick shout-out to Riverina as well. Um, so the milk that I used, obviously, uh, was in Greece, uh, mm. where the competition was, and I'm in mm. Melbourne. So to get that across, um, they were a huge help. So they they actually put you know put it in an esky, wrapped it all up, and um, ice packs in there, and made sure that it was temperature stable, so I can get it across to to Europe, which I thought was a bit of an unbelievable feat. Mm. Um, and yeah, I just want to give them a huge shout out.
0: Well, you know, they we are always um, supporting the coffee community. I think that's that's like one of the good things. And for any brand out there, it's like you you support the community, you know, it kind of kind of does well. It's like definitely. You know, you know, trying to create Australian champions as well. It's just good for us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good for everyone for sure. So, no, good on them. Not fresh unless Riverina fresh. Um, but yeah, so that that obviously worked
1: really well. What did you score? Like, you know, the scores out of three now. Yeah, so some of the boxes changed. Some mm. are still out of six, mm. and some of the boxes are out of three.
0: So, what did you score
1: for your milk drink? I'm gonna be honest with you, mm. and I won't. I'll just tell you, not anyone else. Uh, but I haven't looked over my score sheets uh, just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> uh, which it's sort of, I feel like the world's was like the end point with the competition season. Mm-hmm. So I sort of got to the end and, um, yeah, I sort of wasn't looking to that next step. So I haven't mm-hmm. actually gone through and assessed it all.
0: Yeah, So does that part need to be cut out? No, no, that's fine. Oh, okay, <laughs> right, right, right. right. Well, cool. <laughs> um, no, I can, I can respect that because you'd be so tired by the end of it that you're just kind of like
1: shit, I'm done with this for a little while. Yeah, or it's more, I think, you know, like I've got a good understanding, I think, where the coffee sits and how the judges assess it. Mm. Um, obviously, I scored quite highly because I came mm. third, right? Mm. Um, so it's, I think in the top six, it's sort of like these one percenters that can make the difference. So do you think, because I kind of
0: feel like, and you might disagree, I feel like the milk drink was the number one success in your whole routine. It was that good. Yeah, and it was just the perfect combination of what the coffee was and what the milk was. They just interacted together so well. Like, I really feel like that's one of the best I've ever had, and it's also like just it just it just outshone everything else. Like, that's not to say the other things weren't good, but Mm. like it was the standout of the routine. Yeah,
1: for me. Yeah, uh, for me as well, like I, I was like super happy with it and it was one of those areas where I'm like, oh, you know, if I could change it, I wouldn't change it because I'm super happy with it. Mm. So um, yeah, the scores did reflect that.
0: It was kind of something you, you wouldn't really taste anywhere else as well. Like that was mine. That was, I'm, I'm in the privileged position, you know, I, or I too get, uh, get exposed to lots of nice coffees all the time. Mm. It's one of my favourite things to do. Mm. But um, from what I recall, like, you know, I tried that coffee probably four or five times, yep. you know, watching some of your practice run-throughs and, yeah, I think it's one of the best I've ever had. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, I was, I was super proud to, to serve that and, yeah, like I think the journey that it took to get the milk over there and, um, you know, the process that I did, um, yeah, I was, I was super stoked with it. So that, that's part of my routine. I just wouldn't touch and I'm super happy with it.
0: Now, mm. um, yeah, adaptation, you know, adapting to the ingredients around you and to the circumstances – what do you think goes into making a good sig- signature drink? Because so often I, um, the, the, the grip gripe I have with them is that you, you never, I've, I've never gone somewhere and asked for a signature drink and I've never worked somewhere and been asked for a signature drink. So it's like, it, you know, it's really hard to
1: get a good one or try a good one. Yours obviously did really well. What do you think goes into making a good one? Good ingredients. Mm. Um, I think you'll see with a lot of competitors, they'll use ingredients that might not taste good on their own. Um, and then when you put them with the drink, you know, I think very rarely they'll, they'll be better than what they are by themselves. So I think that was important for me. I made sure all my ingredients were, were spot on and how I prepared them. Um, so I think that's that's number one. Um, we are seeing changes, I think, within the SIG drink as well. You know, it used to have to be espresso dominant, which it doesn't have to anymore um so i think the positive impacts where you know it gives people a bit more freedom to design a drink that we might not could you know we might not have been able to a few years ago um so but i I still think the sig drink is a little bit untapped in the competition Mm. uh so i think in the coming years we'll probably see some drinks that are uh you know probably that we might see in in cafe what do you mean by untapped um i think I mean, every year with competition, we look back to the previous year and see what people did, and we try and you know take inspiration from that. Um, but I just don't think we've seen this huge leap f- with a signature drink just yet. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I I think in a few years we will see that.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's a hard thing to get right. Um, oh, it is. Yeah, and you know, what, what 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 would you like to see in a competition as well? Like, what rule changes would you like to see? Because we just had paid on, yeah. like we was saying, and he kind of suggested one of the standout things for me was he suggested a compulsory round I agree. For, for baristas yep.
1: like there is in Brewer's Cup. Mm-hmm. Would you like to see that? And how would you have that work? Yeah, definitely. Good question. I haven't thought that deeply into it just yet, but uh, that would have been my first suggestion having a com- compulsory round. Uh, I think like it, it, it is a coffee competition and I, I don't think you can make it, you know, to the semis or to the finals without making good coffee. So I still think the integrity of coffee making is in place with the competition at the moment, but I think having that compulsory round, especially for like the national competitions, would really separate the good espresso makers and you know someone that might just have a good coffee or a good coach or something like that. I want to move on to getting there and you know your journey
0: to the, to there because you did work remarkably hard. This is something I want to point out to people: like you, you did work so many hours during the week. Mm-hmm practicing for it so there's really no there's no doubt as to why you want it because you work so hard so it just goes to show you work so hard to get the reward so yeah hats off to you you, oh, you worked you. incredibly hard um do you feel lonely sometimes you, like when you're doing it, you're just like jesus it's so like so i remember when i used to do it and you know, it'd be cold and dark in the roastery and yeah and, you, and just just tough and yeah. <laughs> you know, you're just like no one's here. Why do I even do this? I can't get it to taste good and yeah. Just have bad nights. Yeah, I have good nights as well. But
1: Yeah, one one of the big things when I compete is I throw everything at it. So I, like I never just dip my toe in. It's like I'm there, I'm you know, from any spare moment I have, I'm there. Otherwise I feel too guilty. So when I'm there, like I feel like, you know, I'm happy and I'm achieving things. Um yeah, like sometimes it can be a bit lonely, but I'm very um, very lucky to have a good support team around me like my partner Gabby mm. she was bringing me dinner you know just surprised me and you know, give me something to eat and you know what sometimes I would skip meals so you know so thankful for that and um, having my team Anthony and Matt and Dave like you know that would come in after hours and help me as well so um, a yeah, very privileged position but yeah it's, it's it's definitely it's a tough journey competing mm. and training for that long
0: and then, so you you win the nationals, but then you go, and that's all well and good, and you you know you're feeling the highs of that, and that's all. But it was a quick turnaround
1: from then to going to Greece, wasn't it? Oh, super quick.
0: How what was like one month, three weeks, or something? It was
1: five weeks. Five five weeks. Yeah. So,
0: um, what was it like once you knew you won? To I have to fly across the globe. It's a big flight from Australia as well, because you you know other side of the world, and I think. You know we're at the very lowest point of the world, really. Um, and then anywhere you want to go, whether it's Europe or America, you have got a big flight ahead of you. Yeah, for um, sure. So what was what was what was that five weeks like?
1: Yeah, it was intense. Um, I think one of the the one of the things that I did. It might sound a bit weird saying this because I, I, I don't really think of myself as the best or like. You know, but I changed my mindset for leading up to nationals, where like I'm, I wanted to win. So everything I thought was that I was going to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was a very strange experience, and a- Anthony actually helped me with that. Um, so having that mindset of thinking I'm going to win, so even weeks before nationals, I was thinking about worlds and like that path. Mm-hmm. So it didn't feel like this. Oh, we win nationals, we stop, we go again. It was more it. it like Before I even finished nationals, I was thinking, okay, these are the things that I'm going to change. So it was a surreal um, feeling to have because I've never really felt like that before and I've never, never had that mindset, but I, th- I think that helped me so much. Mm. Um, yeah, it's not, not that I go out and say to everyone, oh, I'm going to win, I'm going to win because it's not the case, but I think I need to have that mindset as part of that journey. So, um, yeah, I did have five weeks from nationals to world's. But, mm. it, you know, the lead up started mm. long before that.
0: And this is where I kind of want to bring in the sort of synergy between or well, the, the differences between yours and Anthony's sort of runner. So you coached Anthony. Mm-hmm. So a World Bristol Championship winning coach and you're number three in the world. So that's, uh, not many people can say they've done
1: that. Sounds okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no,
0: it sounds all right. Um, so obviously the, when he won, it was in Melbourne. Yes. But when you competed in the worlds, it was in Greece. Mm-hmm. So, what is the difference between preparing someone f- for Melbourne in Melbourne? Yeah.
1: And preparing someone for Greece from Melbourne? Yeah, that was a big shock. Mm. Um, one of those things that you never really think about until you need to do it, right? Mm. Um, but I think everything was quite, was very similar until the week before. That's when it really changed. Um, and having to transport everything. Um, Yeah, it's tough because you need to make a decision what to take, Mm. um, how to pack it. Um, So logistically it was, I wouldn't say difficult, but a a lot of thought went into it. Um, So there was things that I didn't take and I just bought over there. Um, And there was things that I took and I left over there as well. Um, But yeah, it was, yeah, it just took a bit of thought process. But I think the the toughest thing was the coffee. Um, Having that roasted at the right time you know, we, we ran a few experiments on how the coffee would travel. Mm. Um, you know, Anthony's jet-setting around the world at the moment. Mm. Um, so I actually gave him a bunch of coffee uh, to travel with. And then when, once he came back, we cupped it all and we, we found which one travelled the best. Mm. Uh, and that's what we did preparing the coffee. Um, so I think those two were the, the most difficult parts. Um, but, you know, once you're over there, it's, it's quite similar because all, all your stuff's there. Uh, and you're probably more prepared than you would be in Melbourne, right? Because mm. you can just run back to the warehouse and get whatever you need. But when you're over there, you need to be that prepared. So I feel like once I was there, it was fine. So what did getting preparing, prepared involve? Like Lots of lists, lots of checklists. Um, and, yeah, I'm a bit of a cowboy when it comes to checklists. So I'm very thankful to be a part of Anthony's journey where he's the total opposite, So mm. which was <laughs> good to be a part of. Um, but, yeah, literally just... You know, I weighed every every item I was going to take. Everything I, I was doing for run-throughs here, I, I weighed and I was working out what I could take, what I could leave. Um, so one of the things we had to leave behind was one of the grinders. So I had two grinders. One I took over, which was 25 kilos, mm. and the other I left. Mm. Um, but apart from that, I took everything else. You left a grinder over there? Oh, no, sorry, in Melbourne. Oh. so I left a grinder here, and I used one of the provided grinders. Okay. Yeah. So when I compete, I like to have the one that we have um, at Axel, just because it's I know how to, how it works doesn't mean it's better or worse, mm. um, but I just know how it reacts and grind changes. So did you use the
0: one that was provided for the milk drink or the milk drink? Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah where I felt I had a little bit more tolerance with that one, mm. uh, but thankfully when I got over there, the grinders were amazing to use, so mm. um, didn't influence me too much
0: yeah and i imagine when you're in that it's a tense sort of environment like you know the stakes are high one little forgotten thing you know you're taking advice from so many different people but you've got to kind of filter out what advice you take as well yeah so you know i really feel like you know having seen a few world runs now and you know to myself you've really got to take people's advice, but be selective about who you take it from. Definitely. Keep your circle
1: big, but also keep it small. Yes. You know,
0: it's like, <laughs> how do you do it? So... Yeah. Um,
1: well, yeah, I guess my my team consisted of my partner Gabby, um, Dave Macon, owner of Axel, and then Matthew Crowley and Anthony Douglas. Mm. So, amazing team. Mm. Um, yeah, it was... Leading up to it, it was uh, – we had a bit of a tough run. Mm. Um, you know, Anthony was away a lot. Matt was away as well. But, you know, they're all part of the routine. Even when they're overseas, they're still connected with the routine and helping me and giving me feedback. Um, but, yeah, it's tough. Like, we've got strong opinions, mm. um, especially – so Matt, uh, Matt and Anthony, are, you know, two of my best friends. Um, and so we don't really hold back. When, mm. we, when we tell each other things, mm. and I'm the same. Mm. Uh, so, you know, things get, like, tough and they get heated, and um, but I think having that level of, like, honesty amongst, mm. uh, you know, the team, it helped me so much. Mm. You know, if I wasn't doing the right thing, you know, if they had just said, oh, Jack, you know, maybe you should do this, maybe you should do that, and, you know, tiptoed around it, um, maybe I could have made some mistakes on stage, And but, you know, they're very direct and... Mm. Um, don't let me do those mistakes.
0: Mm. I guess that's not an opinion you hear often. And thank, thank you for being so transparent about it because, like, you know, it's not all sunshine and roses. You have your tough days. Yeah. And, you know, you're working with people that, you know, mean well for you. So, um, you know, yeah. it's, all, it's all part of the process. It is,
1: yeah. And I, I think, yeah, just I mean, that, that honesty is, like, it w- was honestly, like, key uh and us being so close like it was it, it felt like we're all part of the same team like i did not you know i always went on stage but you know i had those guys backstage uh i had them at the warehouse all my run-throughs i did a lot of run-throughs and they watched you know a lot of them as well so um yeah it, it does feel like a team so to someone listening out on
0: on this today so like i said the punters we want to make this accessible for the punters as well um Obviously, we're talking about what a barista competition. You've got the, the milk, signature drink, espresso, mm. course. What do you What do you think is your selection process for choosing a coffee for winning a competition these days? Because I think it's kind of changed. Agreed. And, like, you know, I think the last person to win using a washed coffee was Berg Wu in Thailand. Uh, sorry, in he was from Taiwan. Yeah. And he used that in Dublin.
1: Well, I think Agneska, I mean, she used a uh, washed CM. Yeah, to be fair. CM, I guess. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, but like other than that, like it's very much in the natural department now, especially with brewers as well. Um,
1: yeah. Um, I, think, I think it's made it more open because so for anyone that doesn't know the score sheet, it used to be um, you know, the box when we would uh, flavor descriptors. It was if you didn't get the flavor descriptor, it was you just wouldn't get a point for it, right? But now if you say yellow peach and someone gets a white peach or, you know, some sort of stone fruit, like they're still lenient with points there. So there's less emphasis on your flavor descriptors, which I think is good because previously looking for competition coffees, we were looking for a coffee that was very definable flavors. Um, And I mean, it's still complex, but, you know, you want three, two or three strong flavors. So if I could give it to anyone, you know, a customer, or I can give it to you and we all sort of agree on these flavors because we're trying to get four judges to agree on what this tastes like. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a super super important part of choosing a coffee, Um, which I still think is super important. However, I think it's opened it up to, you know, having these washed coffees that are slightly delicate, um, that where the flavor isn't as pronounced, but, you know, super complex. So I feel like that there will be a shift next year Mm. um, into these more complex, you know, coffees. If, if,
0: there's a, there's a coffee to win a competition and then there's your favourite coffees. What are some of your favourite coffees that, you know, if it was judged a bit differently that you would use? like
1: Yeah. I, one, it's not a regret, um, but there was one coffee from Gasha Village. Yeah. Um, it was a washed coffee. And it was stunning. Like, it was it was very delicate. Um, you know, lots of stone fruits, florals, um, tropical, same time. Um, but at the time, I just didn't think it would register you know a high score um but i think if i went again like you know something like that would be a coffee i would look at Mm. um but yeah they're the coffees that i like to drink you know washed complex coffees Mm. um yeah that that's my style but i mean i appreciate all coffees so Mm. i wouldn't say there's one one coffee that i appreciate more than others but yeah i do like those classic washed coffees
0: yeah me too um to kessie geisha i always rang rang along about it but that roasted as espresso which you very rarely find Mm um unbelievable Um, i would use that in a heartbeat so what are the some of the other most important things to consider when you're preparing for one of these things if you want to win a competition what's jack
1: simpson's advice to you yeah number one read the rules yeah so i mean a lot of people would say that but uh well, they're changing all the time. Yeah, they're changing mm. all the time and I think you need to understand them as well um, because if you don't understand the rules, like how are you meant to make decisions? Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a big one. Um, yeah, and I guess any decision you do, base it off the score sheet and how it would score, which I think a lot of that gets overlooked by some competitors. Um, that would be my one of my tips. Um also try and find a team. Mm. Um, you know, They don't have to be like superstar baristas, but find a team that wants to help you along your journey uh, and you can bounce things off because often you can be in that room for hours on end and make decisions that you wouldn't make in your right mm. mindset, right? But you're under pressure and you're trying to do different things. So to have someone to bounce off and sort of say, hey, you're going too far down that line. Let's pull it back a little bit. Uh, And calibrating with that person as well. Um, So you're tasting similar things and you understand each other. Um, So, yeah, they're they're probably the two biggest tips. Um, One I reckon I learnt this year that I hadn't done previously is, like, to become an expert. If you don't know something, become an expert. Um, You know, this year was the first time I was using the Storm um, and the Mazas, the grinders. Um, and the Mythos of Mythos, sorry <laughs> um, Yeah, that was the first time Like I had used these, this equipment for um, competition And yes, I didn't know how to use them But I wasn't an expert in them uh, And then there was one moment where the grinder was playing up And I just, like, you know, I was getting frustrated And I didn't know how to, how to fix the, the problem And I was reaching out to a few people And, you know, someone got back to me and said Oh, you know, I'm not an expert in these grinders As soon as I got that message, I was like, right, I need to be the expert in this grinder. Mm. Um, And then I just learned as much as I could about this grinder and then I solved the problem and then I never had an issue again because I was an expert in this grinder. So being an expert in your equipment um, is like, yeah, such an advantage.
0: Yeah, okay, because that's something I would also just want to pick it up and throw it, you know. I wouldn't (laughs) want to become an expert. I just want to pick it up and throw it. I was at
1: that stage at one point. Yeah. Yeah. but, yeah, like, once you understand the piece of equipment, then, you know, doesn't matter what, what it throws at you. Like, mm. you know, even if it's on stage, you're comfortable fixing that problem, mm. uh, which, you know, I did have a lot of – not a lot. I did have some problems come up on stage, but because I knew how to fix it, it didn't bother me. I fixed it and moved on. Mm-hmm. If you could do things –
0: anything differently about what you did this time around, what do you think you'd do? I mean, you said about you maybe alluded to coffee and not – not to say that the coffee you chose was by any means any lesser, but like, yep. you know, w- what are some things you'd do differently in hindsight?
1: Yeah, I think not much is the honest answer. But that, that's that's the mark of good success,
0: right? You can you can do it and say, hey, I gave this everything. Yeah. And I wouldn't really change much.
1: Definitely. Like, I, I gave it everything I could. So in terms of my effort and what we did and the coffee I chose, I'm super happy with. And I wouldn't have changed that. Um, I guess um, it's hard because I the competition happened quite quickly in Australia this year. Mm. So there wasn't, um, I didn't really have time to think about it. Like it, the competition got announced and I just put my hand up and said, all right, I'm doing it. Mm. But if I could have that time again, I think I would prepare mentally for it a little bit better. Um, yeah. It, you know, cause I got to a point where, you know, I was frustrated and I was working so hard, but I think being in a better mindset earlier on would have helped me a lot. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, makes total sense. Yeah.
0: Um, you're to anyone listening to this, like like I we was saying before, the one thing one thing I love or I would love for competition is that it becomes a whole lot more inviting for for people. Like when we have a coffee expo and things, like you want people not just from the industry but the general public coming and growing it and exposing it, making it as big and great as we can. What's something you would say to that point and to people that, that that they might drink coffee, but they don't buy into these sorts of things. Why should they?
1: Yeah, I guess this is like the pointy end of coffee, right? Mm. Like it's where innovations happen and, um, you know, we, we see from, you know, you look back years ago, at coffee competitions and you look now like things have changed completely. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to get more people engaged. And I think what this is what, you know, the champion does, right? Like, Borum this year, like, as part of winning, like, he's the, the ambassador of specialty coffee. Um, and I think he's doing a great job of it at the moment. Like, he's getting, you know, a, a wider audience, especially in Brazil. Mm. Um, you know, social media is going up and up. Um, yeah, like, just engaging more people. Um, it's tough because, you know, not everyone's used to it. I think we're in a lucky position being in Melbourne, Especially coffee is everywhere, so people can sort of appreciate and understand it. Mm. But if you go to other countries, I don't think it is. It's not as uh, prevalent, I guess. Mm. Um, And it kind
0: of makes the people that win from those from countries like that more impressive, right? Exactly. Yeah, from a smaller community, and you know, where it's not as big, like they've kind of done an amazing thing.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like I went to Italy straight after Greece, uh, and I went to Naples, um, and I think there was only one cafe serving specialty coffee mm. and that was a bit of an eye-opener for me i'm like wow like you know here we are in melbourne and we walk down 200 meters down the street and we'll pass three cafes that are serving specialty coffee so you know someone like daniel to come second like you know you can appreciate it more right mm. um but yeah like you know people winning in those countries definitely it's an eye-opener and they they take notice and you know hopefully that has impacts in those countries and we can build up the specialty coffee brand globally
0: Mm. Yeah, I think you know, and this is why I think that making it more uh, accessible for everyone is such a good thing because all they all, all they really need is one good exposure, mm-hmm. and then you caught for like that's what happened to me. That's how most of us get into oh, of it. Of course, I think so, we all have that moment, right? Yeah. So I mean, hey, if I can give as if I can share that with as many people as I can, great. Um, so what does the future hold for you? So you're you're a winning coach. You're a winning national, winning third in the world. Do you think you'll do it
1: again? Yeah, I'm at that stage now where I'm thinking about it. Like if I I sort of need to make that decision, Mm. um, you know, because you want a nice, good lead up to the competition. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I'm thinking about it. Like, you know, a lot of things going on, you know, I want to open my own cafe as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a big goal of mine. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think I've just got to take the next few weeks and, you know, I guess coming back from Worlds, it was a bit of a whirlwind. So I had to come back and you know sort of get back to life again you know Mm. like uh, six months it wasn't normal and then you come back and you get into your routine again so i'm in the headspace now where i can actually think about it properly so um yeah hopefully in the next few weeks i'll i'll have an answer and at this cafe what will you do
0: there what's what's going to be what's going to be the edge of this cafe obviously
1: great coffee yeah yeah good question like i've got a few different ideas which you know i won't well, nah. uh? Oh, <laughs> Spill the <a> beans. <laughs> no, I think just serving, you know, really good coffee and really good food and and being super proud of uh, the cafe that I own, right? Like, mm. you know, I mean, there's lots of cafes and a lot of people do a good job. But, yeah, just like competition, I'm probably going to pour the same amount of energy in that mm. um, and want it to be the best in Melbourne, I guess. That's mm. that's my goal. Um, so, but, again, that, that requires a lot of time and effort. So, um competition and doing that at the same time might be tough um, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. but
1: we'll see we'll see how we go
0: so it's on the on the cards for the next year would you say I hope so oh wow yeah all right yeah in the city of Melbourne or the outskirts of Melbourne good question okay yeah <laughs> <right. We'll> see. <laughs> I'll let you know okay um, and what would you if if you're the global ambassador for coffee mm-hmm. what would your message be like if, if eventually you do do it again and you do win what are yeah. you going to say as the, the as the
1: ambassador yeah Good question. Um, Yeah, I think, like I said before, just growing the specialty coffee community, uh, like globally, which it's a tough role, and I I think there's lots of different answers you could give. Um, But I think it's just being present and and yeah, like it engaging with communities that haven't, you know, taken on specialty coffee just yet. Um, Which yeah, it's a tough role. So I think it's just about being out there in the community doing events um, mm. and yeah, sharing as much coffees as you can, which, you know, I, I hopefully I'm doing as a third place, um, you know, winner as well. Um, yeah, I've been doing a bit in Australia and a few events and more to come. Mm. Um, so yeah, hopefully it's just along those lines. Mm.
0: You're going to be in Sydney next week. Yeah. So mm. are you. Mm. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, of course. Um, well, yeah. And I, I think to, to carry on from that, if ever it were me, you know, I'd want to, I think, I'd love to see someone or even get there myself and do it one day. Just, like, shout it from the rooftops, you know? Just make it mainstream. Like, get get someone like, uh you know, get involved with someone like a Jimmy Butler. You know, be at, like, a world summit where political leaders, and I think I've said this on the podcast before, but like, if Joe Biden and Xi Jinping are having a meeting and, you know, to decide the world's fate, like, I want to be there making a coffee to simmer the tensions, you know? That'd be like, pretty cool. It's like, you know... Maybe an iced coffee. You know, why do you want to start World War Three when you can when you can have a you know, uh, an emerald Geisha instead? I, I think it I think it'd make thing people think a, f- a bit differently. You know, oh, like, yeah. you know what, well, Kirk? Perhaps you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, world peace. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, love it. I can have a cry desiccated. You know, uh, a vacuum distilled um, ombligon milk base, or I can yeah. You know, it, the, the choice line. is clear, right? <laughs> yeah. So False to us, it is. For you sure. know, get on something like the. Not that I believe in all these beliefs, but get on something like the Joe Rogan podcast and just be like, "Hey, dude, this is this is great coffee." Tell tell everyone, just Absolutely. go everywhere,
1: tell anyone. Yes, so, of course.
0: The, I think that's my hope for it one day.
1: Yeah, so we'll get there. We'll get there.
0: We'll get there. We're fighting the good fight. Exactly. But hey, what do you want to say before we wrap up to everyone? You know, listening.
1: Uh yeah. Well, I guess a big thank you. Mm. Um, the, one of the big shocks for me doing this competition. Uh, was the amount of people that reached out to me, mm. um, you know, on social media and, you know, in the cafe, like that was wishing me good luck and, and offering me support. Mm. And like, honestly, after I won, like I had hundreds and hundreds of messages, which I've never experienced before. Everyone saying congratulations and wanting to help. Uh, and I felt so grateful to be part of that community. Um, you know, people that I don't even talk to that much, like wanted to help me. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm just so grateful for all those people and, you um, that's probably one of the best parts of competing i think of, of my whole com, um, competition career is experiencing that um you know so hopefully next year when there's new winners uh, announced like you know i would love to make them feel like that because it's um yeah it's a it's a crazy experience and um yeah i would just just thank you
0: well, I, I guess I should say to to that point is, you know, I feel so grateful to be a small part of your journey as well. Like, you know, getting to taste your coffee, having known you for, you know, seven or eight years now and, um, you know, seen you and seen Anthony do it, having competed against you. And uh, I think you've grown so much as a, obviously as a coffee professional, as a person. So, oh, thank you. yeah, it's been it's been good to see. And, yeah. um, you know, I'm excited for what the future holds. You're, you're a very hardworking guy and, um, you know, You've got your you got your shit together, so I appreciate. It's, um, you know, I look forward to the future for Jack Simpson. Well, yeah, I look forward to your future too, as well, well. mate. There's, there's plenty happening. There's plenty <laughs> happening in that as well. Um, Let's watch this space. Watch this space. Watch this space. Well, mate, with that, I think we'll sign off. And you know, it's been great to chat. And thank you, everyone, yeah. for listening once again. Yeah,
1: thank you. Thanks for inviting me on the podcast, mate. As always, and as always, everyone, please stay cool.